0: What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek back with you for another episode, trying to figure out how not to be youth pastors in this day and age. How Uh, are you?
1: I wanted to hijack it and (laughs) ask you how you're doing for you. Ask how I'm doing. I'm good, Derek. How are you? I am fantastic. It is the beginning of March, Mm -hmm. which means
0: that we have finally come, Derek, to the most important sport tournament. Of the entire year, uh, a lot of people wait a long time. You know, every year to to fill out their bracket. Yeah, and uh, and so my question, our quick question of the day, Derek, is there anything better than the Minnesota State High School Hockey? There tournament? is not.
1: There is not a single thing better. I think there's another tournament in March that gets a little bit of coverage, nobody but nobody cares. It, it pales in comparison to the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament. It is. Truly a delicacy in the nation. It's true.
0: Uh, Started in 1945, which uh, not only was the first year of the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament, it was the first year any state had a high school hockey tournament. Yep. Uh, probably what else happened in
1: 1945, I don't know,
0: probably celebrating the end of the world war. They're like, let's play some hockey. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, we do want to give a shout out to, uh, Edina high school,
1: good friends of the show. No, we do, We don't want to give a shout out no? to them. No, I hate Edina.
0: <laughs> Edina's the worst. I never played Edina in any sporting events growing up, so I have no grudges
1: what, whatsoever. But, uh. They are the original cake eaters. If if you are <laughs> if, if you live in Edina, I really don't mean any harm. It's just it's it, it's a name. It's a, you. It, it's just a staple. It, it, it There's no denying it. It just is what it is. When the mighty ducks, a great franchise, arguably some of the best movies that have ever graced our planet, when they make Edina out to be the awful guys, you know it's bad. That is
0: actually a really good point. Uh, There is a saying that because Edina is spelled E-D-I-N-A, Uh, which is exactly how it sounds like it would be spelled. But uh, the saying around basically the rest of Minnesota is that it stands for every day I need attention.
1: Wow. Uh, Wow. I've never heard that before. Really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Uh, So shout out to our good friends of the show, Edina. Edina. Uh, But the reason we bring it up is that they have uh, 13 state championships, which is the most in In how uh, many games? uh, 17. They're 13 and 4 in state championship game. Ridiculous. Many more state state tournament appearances. Uh, But uh, we we call, I mean, obviously, yes, there are other tournaments around the country. March Madness is coming up later this month, but uh, the Minnesota State High School Hockey Tournament holds a special place in uh, sports history, not just because we're from Minnesota, obviously, but yep. uh, and it's saying something because I can't skate to save my life, but Actually, I will like legit? I, I mean, I can, but it looks like uh, it looks like Bambi when he's on the ice with Thumper. Got it. Um, but in uh, in 2015, there were over 135,000 people that attended uh, the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament. Uh, and it is the most attended uh, high school tournament in the country. It beats out Indiana's basketball tournament. It beats out Florida's football tournament. Uh, it is uh, really something to behold. And the thing about hockey is like, I I never grew up playing it. I I'm terrible at skating, but it's still
1: fun to watch. Yeah. My wife hates it, honestly. She grew up in Indiana, which is like the home of basketball. Sure. Like basketball is the sport. Hockey is virtually non existent in Indiana, which is one thing. But she gets overwhelmed with the chaos because hockey is a game of turnovers. It is constant back and forth. And she gets stressed out trying to follow the puck, follow the movement. But what is nice about if you if you've if you live in Minnesota and you've never ever experienced the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament, you need to go because the energy in the building is amazing. The Excel Energy Center just gets full of a bunch of people. Uh, it's it's electric. It's fun. It's it's relatively easy to follow. If you watch a professional hockey game, they're fast. They're big. There's always movement. Whereas the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament, it's a little bit slower. Easy to easy to you know just. Follow and it's it's just a good time. There's there's upsets. There's you know there's come from behind victories. There's all kinds of good stuff. It's it's truly so so fun. And if you live in Minnesota, you've never been. You need to go. Absolutely. And I do want to, before we move on and get to our actual
0: uh, topic today, we're not just going to talk for 45 minutes about the uh, high school hockey tournament, but I do want to give a shout out to uh, some other good friends of the show. Uh, I, Our church, uh, my church here is in the city of Andover. And, uh, the Andover girls team last week brought home the state championship and our boys team is, uh, in the state championship or in the state tournament, uh, this weekend. And so we are, uh, you know, Andover's rep and strong, uh, in high school hockey, and we're hoping to come away with two state championships here. So. Absolutely.
1: And if you could care less about hockey, but you are getting for a good laugh, Just go on YouTube. Oh, I can't believe we almost forgot about this. Oh, we didn't forget. You didn't forget. I I, I was just waiting waiting (laughs) for my shot. It's called the Minnesota State High School All Hockey Hair Team. It's this guy who... Hockey hair is a thing. If you don't live in Minnesota and you're not familiar with hockey, you're like, what the heck is hockey hair? Just go and look up Minnesota State High School All Hockey Hair Team. It's this guy who ranks hockey hair, and the things and the wordplay he uses is legendary. It is so funny. So you see some pretty crazy haircuts coming out of
0: some of these high school teams. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's really a wonder to behold, but, uh, enough about high school hockey. Uh, we're excited for, uh, for that this weekend. But, uh, today we want to talk about, uh, we, we want to talk about some danger in youth ministry, I like danger. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we did, uh, we, we kind of talked about how not to get sued playing games in youth ministry, uh, which, which was an adequate amount yeah. of danger.
1: Yeah. Uh, but we thought we'd up the ante today. Absolutely. This danger is the type of danger that uh, you would lose your job over. This is the kind of danger that, like,
0: last episode or two episodes ago, when we were talking about games. That's fun danger. Yeah. Today is not so fun danger. Th- this is
1: this is the danger where when you cross the line, you get into the weeds, you go, what the heck am I doing right now? And uh the the we don't we don't need to continue to just dance around the issue. Today we want to talk about the danger of influence and power because quite honestly, we live in a culture and a world right now today that I feel like Everybody wants to have influence. I mean, I have never heard the word like influencer more than ever. I mean, I, there's Instagram influencers. There's my son loves to watch these two boys named Vlad and Nicky on YouTube. They literally just play with toys and they make millions of dollars. How old are they? Uh like 6 and 8 or something stupid like that. Brilliant. Yeah, they are we looked it up once because we're like, man, I wonder how much they make. They make like three hundred and fifty thousand per video. That's like between five and ten minutes long. Them just playing with toys and it's it's just goofy. But everybody wants that. They want to to influence people. They want to make a difference. They want to do that. You know. I think as a pastor or as a youth pastor, really anyone outside of ministry, even we're all fascinated with like leadership podcasts, John Maxwell and all these great great leaders have books and and podcasts and all these things that help you to up your influence and up your thing and I think we all just naturally crave this desire to have influence and be an influence on somebody else around us.
0: Yeah, you get a lot of uh you know introverts that would probably say that they, they don't want to <laughs> the, socially, they want no, no influence. They don't want, you know, they don't want anybody to notice them. But I, I think what we're talking a little bit more so is, uh, you know, everybody wants to make an impact. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's human nature to like, even the most introvert of introverts, uh, you know, still wants to feel valued and, yep. and make an impact in some way on, on society. And so, you know, power is kind of the same way too where uh if it gets out of control if influence gets out of control uh dangerous things can happen and power is the exact same way uh you look at uh around just just secularly in government uh you know power is w- where power is consolidated to a few or even one person uh that rarely works I don't think yeah. it's ever really worked for no. a long period of time it's, it's sad. And, you know, dictators and, and rulers around the world that have that consolidated power, they don't use it well because it's very easy to corrupt one single person. Uh, and you know, there's a, so there's a natural tendency for, for youth pastors or, or pastors in general, for a lot of people in general, uh, to want to seek a higher place of leadership or power, or influence, or whatever you want to call it.
1: Which is to be expected, right? Because the thought is, is if you have influence, if you have power, the hope is that you therefore have the means to make a greater difference for Jesus, for the greater cause, if you will, whatever it is. There's this idea that if I have more influence, if I have more power, I can do more, more good things. But what we want to talk about today is... When that is the motivation, when gaining influence, when gaining power, when gaining a platform, even if you want to, if you want to call it that, when you are seeking a way to do more, to say more, to have a greater outreach and a greater scope, when that becomes the primary focus, there are a lot of pitfalls that, that can kind of come along with that. And I think that the first one namely is when that becomes your motivation, you start to have a skewed perception of humanity people become a means to an end. You're no longer just looking to help people. That might be the initial desire of yours, but when you're so fixated on getting more power or having more influence, you're just looking for numbers. You're looking for a more of a measurement to show, I have more influence because I have this tangible measurement. And it's no longer souls and people, it's heads and numbers. And that is dangerous, dangerous, dangerous territory.
0: Yeah, it becomes it becomes about the number of likes. It becomes about the number of views. It becomes you know everything boils down to a number. And there are a lot of reasons and, and situations where numbers are important. A lot of situations where you know tracking, like as a youth pastor, tracking attendance. Uh, you know we can use that to uh, benefit the students. Yeah. Or we can use that to benefit us as yeah. the youth pastor. If we care about the number at the end where that it all adds up to, uh, you know, that's, that's where, you know, humanity is serving us and, and the numbers are serving us. You know, for us, the reason that we track attendance is so that it's easy for us to notice, hey, this kid hasn't been here in four weeks. Uh, and, and we can reach out to them. We can make sure that we contact them and just let them know, Hey, we're praying for you. And you know, we love you. We miss you. Um, you know, things like that, that's us serving the numbers. I think that, you know, that big pitfall of power and influence it, when, when it starts, when you start to find that the numbers are serving you and not the other way around, that's, that's when things start to get messy. Yeah. Because you
1: start to put your identity in it. And that's where we talked about that a few episodes ago when, All of a sudden, you feel like a successful youth pastor. You feel like an influencer when the numbers are good. One, you're taking credit for things you're not meant to take credit for, which is a negative thing. But when that flips around, because inevitably, it does, especially in a ministry context. You could be doing the same thing over a one-month, two-month, three-month period, and your numbers might dip and they might spike regardless of the fact that you're doing things consistent. It's just it's just the re- reality of life. There's schedules, there's sports, there's sickness. But when it goes to the negative way, all of a sudden you go from feeling like a competent, good youth pastor to, I suck. Mm-hmm. What did I do wrong? Yep. Like, this is my fault. And we start to take ownership in a negative way as well. And so like, what's just we, numbers are a legitimate thing. And when you start to chase the numbers, it is a slippery slope of, it starts out as you're just tracking, but then it gets into something bad.
0: Yeah. I think one of the other, uh, you know, real pitfalls is, and, and it kind of goes along with this or it's a, it's a, uh, subsequent pitfall of that is, is an inflated ego, uh, where you start to uh, see that self satisfaction becomes more and more prevalent. I it's it's about me. It's about it's about getting more likes. Yeah. Uh, it's about getting more views. I know. I've heard stories of of some really really big churches where the senior pastor they they have a volunteer on Sunday morning specifically dedicated to carry around the Bible of the senior pastor. Like they kind of walk wherever he walks and. Uh, they're in charge of of having his Bible or his notebook or whatever that they're carrying so that when he goes up, he's ready to go up on stage and he grabs his Bible from you and he goes. Uh, and that way he doesn't set it down and lose it somewhere. That seems pretty excessive yeah. to me. That is, That is a, an example, I think a really good example of that inflated ego. I understand you know, if you've got notes in your Bible that you need to have on stage with you, yeah, don't lose them. But figure out a better way than making a volunteer follow you around everywhere to ensure that doesn't
1: happen. Well, and this is probably a gut check moment. I know I've definitely had this moment before. You've had a volunteer follow you around carrying your Bible? (laughs) (laughs) I wish people could see our facial expressions because some of these things are just Kyle and I and our experiences. So like that was never written down on our show doc here. And so when he said that, I was kind of like, Oh my word. Like my whole facial expression changed a little bit. I'm sorry,
0: man. Next time I'll say something that makes you feel better.
1: Perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. But let's talk about social media for a second as we talk about inflated ego. Because Kyle and I had a great conversation about a week and a half ago about this very thing of how it is so easy right now to not just get your worth, but almost garner the support and the words of affirmation from people based upon what you post on social media. Like I will, I have had many, many, many gut check moments of where it's like, yeah, cool. You have a picture of you with a microphone and there's a bunch of students who are, you know, raising their hands and they're, you know, going after God and you post that. And even if your intention is right, I'm not saying if you do that, you're a bad person, but I've had that gut check moment of going, why do I want to post this? Am I posting this to like, show, you know, the world that God's doing some cool things? Or am I posting this because I want people to see that I'm successful? Am I posting this because I want people very secret? Like, like it's a a heart check. It's a gut check moment of why am I posting this? Because if I'm being completely transparent and completely honest, I think there's been those moments where it's like, I want people to think that I'm successful. I want people to see what I am doing. And like, I, I don't like admitting that because that's that's a very fleshly thing. That's a very egotistical thing. And so I'm not saying if you do that stuff that you're not you're not able to do that or you're a bad person, but it just goes back to the ego thing of why do we feel the need to justify ourselves based upon numbers, based upon influence, rather than just God's called us to do it and we're just going to do it because he told us to.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh... A resource worth mentioning as a part of this conversation is, uh, you know, some of our listeners might be familiar with the Instagram account Preachers and Sneakers, and uh, it's kind of a hilarious uh, thing. If if you're unfamiliar with it, the SparkNotes version is there is a there's a guy from I believe Ta- Dallas, Texas who started an Instagram account, kind of highlight as a joke, not really. Th- you know, for it to go anywhere. Yeah. But he he started an Instagram account uh, where he would post a picture of a well, well-known preacher, somebody like a Stephen Furtick or a uh, Craig Groeschel, uh, Andy Stanley, take your pick, T.D. Yeah. Jakes. Yep. and And he would post a picture of them with like a really expensive pair of sneakers on and then also post with it like the resale value of those sneakers kind of pointing out how expensive the sneakers are that some of these people are wearing sure and it it kind of blew up there were a lot of people that were intrigued by this account a lot of people said hey i like what you're doing is really important because these people are hypocrites a lot of other people said oh my gosh you're a horrible christian for bringing such division to the church Uh, and he wrote a book called preachers and sneakers kind of talking about all this and it piqued my interest. And so I just finished reading it and it was a really frustrating book to read, if I'm honest, because he asked a lot of questions and didn't answer hardly any of them. Uh, (laughs) And so it was, you know, it just leaves you with more questions than you had coming into reading the book, but kind of the things that he raises the question on, and there's not necessarily a cut or dry answer on this, but when it comes to celebrity pastors, uh, especially, but really all of us, you know, why the, the intention behind our actions is, is really, really important. Is it inherently wrong for, you know, one of us to go on vacation and post some really cool pictures from our vacation? No. Like if I've got some relatives or some friends that are genuinely interested in seeing my photos and I post them so that they can see them, that's not a bad thing. And, you know, if, if I'm posting stuff, I'm posting photos from my cool vacation because I want to brag about my cool vacation. Uh, if I'm wearing you know, really expensive clothes because it's a status thing for me, or yeah. I want to show off to people that heart is, is kind yeah. of where the, the problem is. And it comes back to, again, this problem of an inflated ego, you know, I'm important. Uh, people care about me and it, you know, the the actions that that I take don't necessarily have to line up with what I say because I'm so important.
1: Yeah, and I think what you hit on is so critical is this heart of intention because we serve a God who knows our innermost thoughts. Mm -hmm. We serve a God who knows exactly where our heart is at. And, you know, there have been times where you might post something, you might do something, you might wear something, whatever it is. And even though that's not your intention, someone will assume that it is. And so you might post pictures of your great vacation with your wife, with your if if you're a female with your husband, whatever it is, and so I might go, Oh man, they went on vacation again? Like they're just trying to rub it in my face when you might very well not be. And so just And and that's real quick.
0: If you post something without those terrible intentions and somebody sees your post and for lack of a better word, they sin, you know, they get super jealous. They get yep. super envious. That's not on you. Correct. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's the same thing. I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know a lot about what goes on inside the female mind, but <laughs> talk about dangers. I holy know. Cow. I know. Right. <laughs> but, uh, when it comes to social media, yeah. Uh, comparison,
1: Oh my is, word. is is
0: a huge huge thing. I mean, we're both youth pastors. Like high school girls compare themselves to literally anybody and everybody around them. And social media can be a very dangerous trap for that. If if you are if you post a picture and somebody looks at it and they compare themselves to you and and you to themselves and and there's a negative uh, there's a negative result there in their mind. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a problem for them, but that's not inherently an issue that you're like, I need to never post anything so that nobody ever stumbles looking at a photo
1: of me. Or even, even to to bring it back full circle, post about your ministry, show the world what God's doing through your ministry. But again, what, what are you focusing on? Mm -hmm. Are all the pictures of you with a microphone and, and just like doing what you're doing or is it about students going after God? Is it about your church responding to God? Like what? what is the intention behind what you're doing? If it's to, sh- to give God glory and to show the world that he's on the move, by all means, go ahead. But I think our point here is when you are seeking that influence, when you are seeking that power, you feel the need to validate it. For and sure. one of the ways to validate that is by inflating and showing that ego on full display. Yep and and
0: when that ego uh you know matures and in it's inflation you know it gets yep. gets real big uh there starts to be kind of that self-sufficiency yep. where you know you you personally no longer look for god to bring the fruit of your ministry you you go out and it becomes almost this business of i'm going to go and get yep. it mm-hmm. uh i'm going to go and make it happen uh, not on God's timing, but on my timing, and that's dangerous.
1: Oh, so I mean, how many examples can we pull out of the Bible where where yeah. that happens, where you start to get that that glimpse of success? And I can't remember who said it. It's such a good thing that I think about all the time. Of you know the 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 guy or the girl who said it basically said, "I don't fear failure. I feel I fear success because if I become so successful that I no longer see my need for the Lord." I'm in really, really, really bad territory, and I think about that all the time. Of when things are going well, give glory to God. I mean, just honor Him and and, and celebrate that and enjoy it. But at the same time, understand that God's going to bring the harvest. God's going to bring the fruit when He needs to bring it. And if you go and try and harvest it before it's ready, it's not it's not of Him. It's on our own power. And odds are, you are on a expressway to burnout. And I think when you, when you add up all of these things, this skewed perception of humanity, this inflated ego, this self-sufficiency, it all just builds on itself and it pulls you farther and farther away from the true heart of the Lord. It pulls you farther and farther away from staying within his will. And I think there's a reason why, why we see on the news every so often. And it's become a little more prevalent now in an age where we have things at our fingertips all the time. But the moral failures and, and and the the misgivings of of pastors specifically in the last couple of decades is alarming to me. And it's scary to me. And as Kyle and I were talking about before, it's not because these human beings are bad people. It's not because their hearts aren't, truly going after God, I think what happens is there's a real enemy who really wants to take out people who love God. And so he goes after him. And when you add up, you know, spiritual attack, when you add up this inflated ego, this self-sufficiency, this desire for power and influence, you start to lose all of the, the boundaries and the safe things that bring you closer to God and keep you away from those things.
0: Yeah. The, Popular saying is, you know, don't let your charisma take you to a place that your character cannot sustain you, and I think that that's what happens with a lot of uh, a lot of pastors, a lot of youth pastors. Um, this isn't something that is specific to pastors. Uh, you know, it's something that everybody struggles. Oh, there's a lot of people that struggle with and have fallen from uh, positions where their character could not sustain them. But when you are a pastor, when you're a youth pastor, you're in the public eye. Uh, you are in front of people every single week. And that's going to make everything about your life a little bit more public. And so when your position, I mean, it the blame, 99% of the blame is on that individual. But I think it's worth mentioning that uh I, hopefully we're coming out of a season (laughs) where churches have sought after the charisma and, uh, you know, a church is looking to hire a new senior pastor, a new lead pastor. And, you know, they're looking for somebody that is authentic and charismatic and they're a great public speaker. And all of this leads to somebody who's marketable. Yeah. That, you know, that's, that's not the word that churches want to use. They'll mask it by using words that sound like they're good things. Uh, But at the end of the day, they're looking for somebody who's
1: marketable and character would be a great bonus. Yeah. And which I think what we're trying to say is that it's no wonder that bad things happen because we're setting up people of leadership to fail. You know, you're, you're elevating them to a place that they're not meant to be and what happens in this desire to to grow your influence or grow your power i have found very quickly that higher power often means less accountability when mm, you when you when, when you raise the ranks when you when you rise above when you get to a higher place of leadership there becomes fewer and fewer people that you have to answer to there become fewer and fewer people that you have to give an explanation to and that is where the power struggle happens because you start to realize I can do what I want, really with no repercussions. And that is a scary place to be. Not to mention, on top of that, the demand of you is usually higher. They need more of your time, more of your attention. You're having to rise and fall by your decisions. It becomes a more stressful situation and that becomes tougher to cope with that stress. And so you start to cope in unhealthy ways. And Take your pick as to you know where that starts to go. There's a million and one different ways that we can sin and that we can fall away. And again, it goes back to the point of you take any person, pastor, non pastor, whatever it is. I very, very, very strongly believe that nobody sets out and goes. I desire to just wreak havoc in my life and hurt people and and do that. Like nobody does that. But I think what happens is it's just a slippery slope of all of a sudden you wake up and you kind of get smacked in the face usually after things hit the fan and you realize how far you're in but you go what happened how did i get here and i think it's a bunch of small incremental steps of you you just it was so natural you didn't realize how far away you were slipping down the slope
0: yeah absolutely and you know this this is a topic that You know, hits close to home for Derek and I right now. There's an individual that both of us know, uh, who unfortunately, you know, falls into this category of, of moral failure. And, uh, it's, it's a dark reminder, I think for, for all youth pastors that, uh, there, there's a lot of extra attention and temptation coming from the enemy, when you are in a place of spiritual leadership and teaching over people, uh, and you know encouragement to uh, youth pastors, uh, lead pastors, any anybody on staff at a church, uh, to make sure that your even simply as the uh, structure of your church is set up in such a way that there's still going to be somebody above you, yeah. uh, you know, have an awesome active board of deacons or elders or whatever you want to call them. That is, that works in tandem with your senior pastor, yep. uh, you know, to where that person like for our, for us at our church, I believe there's seven that are on our, our deacon board and, you know, they work with our, our lead pastor closely. Um, you know he there, there are plenty of things in our church's bylaws that you know myself or our lead pastor cannot just do off of a whim right uh you know those things a lot of things have to go through the board first and i think that's a really healthy setup uh and you know again obviously this maybe shouldn't go without saying but you know making sure the people on that board are not just a bunch of yes men and yes yep. women but they are willing to ask the tough questions and any any form of that accountability having per, you know accountability in your personal life uh, if you're married with your spouse having somebody who's outside of your church uh, you know Derek and I over the years have been able to have some really good conversations just because we're doing ministry in two different contexts yeah uh, you know he does not work closely with the staff and the leadership and the students that I do and vice versa. And so we can bounce ideas off of each other and hold each other accountable to different things. And, uh, setting some of that stuff up in your life, uh, is, is really, really important. And I think, I don't know if I, I, I got off of the Google doc here, so I don't know if I'm jumping no, ahead too far. No, but.
1: you're, you're exactly right. Cause I think we we can cast gloom and doom all we want in this episode. And there's plenty of that going on in the world because, drama sells and it, it gets more dollar oh signs, but goodness. Yes, it does. You know, ultimately you can have a successful God fearing God honoring ministry very well by doing some of the things we just talked about, right? Like you, you can, you can still honor God and do with things I like post on social media by, you know, having all this stuff. And so what, what's the solution? If we're not supposed to seek influence, if we're not supposed to seek power, what are we supposed to seek? And this might sound very elementary. Uh, as my as my good friend Jake says, like this might sound like two plus two equals four, but at the same time it works. Um, seeking him. I love what it says in Matthew chapter six that seek first the kingdom of God and all the rest of these things will be credited to you. Basically saying seek God before your ministry plan, seek God before your own financial and personal and all the rest of stuff. Just seeking God first takes away so much of the rest of this stuff. I'm not saying it solves every problem. I'm not saying all of a sudden your problems and temptation just evaporate. But when you spend intentional time to grow with God, it changes everything. I know my youth pastor, as he knew I was transitioning when I was in college, he was getting ready to, you know, basically commission me into the ministry. He told me very strongly don't ever let your time with god be preparation for your ministry and the, and the whole point is when we spend time with god it needs to be because we are desiring to spend time with god not so that we can become better pastors and influencers our relationship with god is the foundation it's the core of who we are if that is not the strongest part of who we are our ministry is built on shaky ground and so the solution is to not seek influence and power it's purely to seek him. And when you seek Cam, I think it's the character that ultimately follows, like Kyle's been talking about.
0: Yeah. The uh the best way to fight against a fall of character is to strengthen your character, right? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that. Um you know and and that strengthening of character, you know, this uh again, you'd think it like Derek said, you'd think it goes without saying, but we're gonna say it anyway. Yeah. Uh that strengthening of that character is going to come from God. Yep. And so, you know, intentionally creating accountability, doing the unseen things. Uh, how many times does Jesus talk about in the Bible? Like if if you want to pray and and you really want it to be impressive, don't do it on, oh man, you're, I, I can't even talk right now because my mind is getting so riled up about <laughs> the, I'm, I'm going to go on a mini rant here. I know many of our listeners have seen somebody post on social media about the quiet time that they're having with the Lord. Mm -hmm. What in the world is the point of that? Uh, my, like that is the opposite of quiet personal time with the Lord. Like don't post from your, uh, you know, your prayer room or your retreat or wherever you like, just spend time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. I that bugs me and and I I think that it's important for us to remember that you know it, it's about our relationship with the Lord. Yeah. And when you refuse to let other people into that process it's not about, you know, me posting about this uh, you know, experience I'm having with the Lord. It's not about uh I'm I'm going to share this uh quiet time I'm having so that other people see that I'm having quiet time. Yeah. Uh when when you're doing things the right way, uh that's where the real fruit's going to come out of. And I don't want to cuz I with with our tens of listeners, somebody will probably Uh, Let's be honest, thousands of listeners. Yeah. uh, You know, somebody will probably be thinking in their head, well, what if it's instructional? What if I want to encourage other people? That's different. It's it's Uh, intention, right? It goes back to that intention that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, You choosing to set up the boundaries, you choosing to do the unseen things that don't get to draw attention to yourself uh, daily. Yeah. Yeah, you know, we're, we're going through a spiritual disciplines series with our students. You want to know why it's called spiritual discipline? Because it's, it, consistency Ooh. in these things doesn't come naturally to
1: us as human beings. I have something that I, I, I have made it quite clear how much I listen to a dog training podcast, but yeah, you have. He, he said something that I thought was so good is he said, discipline will outrun motivation every single day. Like like the whole premise is Mm -hmm. so many times we want to be motivated, right? Like I want to be motivated to go and do this or whatever. But he said, that's not going to carry you because there are going to be days when you're not motivated. Discipline carries you on the days you're really motivated and the days you're really not. And I thought that was like so, so good because let's be completely real. There are days you don't want to spend time right? Like you're busy. You got stuff. It's not because you're a bad person. You're just going, I don't want to sit down right now. I don't want to have quiet time. Quite honestly, I want to go and just play Xbox and just kind of drown my stress away. And that's, that has its place anyway. I'm not trying to say that's not a good thing either, but being anchored in God is something that takes discipline. And, um, I'm getting off on a tangent here. Well, I I
0: have a, I have a quote that I'm trying to use but I'm having a really hard time figuring out uh who it was because the quote that you came to mind was hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard
1: oh my word that it's that, that's, that's like a word, word I know scramble. right
0: let me let me slow it down for you hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard oh my word that's and good. and it's kind of the same principle I mean bringing that into which real quick it appears that Tim not key. I don't know, some basketball coach somewhere. Sure. Uh loosely affiliated maybe with Kevin Durant. Uh like I don't know if he was Kevin Durant's high school basketball coach or what, but uh that guy, a good friend of the show, Tim Notkey. <laughs> good friend uh, of the show. Apparently is the originator of that quote. But the the reason that I bring it up is that like with with our faith, with our spiritual disciplines, charisma is that talent, right? That I'm doing air quotes to Derek. That's a podcast. (laughs) Nobody can see those. Uh, You know, when, when our charisma take, our charisma can take us pretty far, but spiritual disciplines will take us a lot farther than our charisma
1: will. If our charisma is all we have. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you mentioned accountability. I want to go back to that really quick because I have found accountability often is not given to you. You need to create that. Yeah. There's like, you do talk about bylaws. You talk about things in church boards and church cultures. That's all great. But the bylaws of your church, if that's your only accountability, you're in some really, really, I mean, to me, yep. that's kind of like... It's not personal. No. And it, it's, it's merely a safety net if that's what you want. Like if, if, if that is the only accountability you have in your life, that is like the bare minimum. That is like you risking everything. And so... My recommendation with with youth pastors, anyone in ministry, really anyone who loves Jesus, I would say, go out and create accountability with somebody that you know is going to challenge you. Like if your accountability is somebody who you know is going to kind of be lax, it's kind of like, hey, you screwed up, like that's okay. Like that's not going to do you any good. Like you need to have accountability where someone's going to stretch you. Kyle and I have some very challenging conversations. It's not like he's saying, hey, You know, you suck, but it's like... I can if you'd like me to. Yeah. I mean, we have had conversations about our perception of ministry, our time with God, and like it challenges you to be better and to just like keep yourself in check, Uh, especially when it comes to relationships. You know, one of the quickest ways to put yourself in a bad position in your marriage, in your relationships with friends, in your ministry is to be in unhealthy, inappropriate relationships outside of your marriage or something. And so to have accountability or you're checking in on that, again, the hope is you never even have to get close to that. Yeah. But I'd rather have somebody checking in and doing that than not, because when there is that no accountability, it's no great. But yeah. You kind of hit the nail on the head earlier, but I just want to say when it comes to accountability, one, you have to create it a lot of times because it's not given to you. And two, challenge it to be real. Like I have my other accountability partners, my really good friend, Jake, and we is, have an agreement. Is uh, Jake a good friend of the show? Fantastic friend of the show. Good friend of the Joe Jake. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we have a mutual agreement that no question is off the table. Sure. You can ask me anything and I need to answer you honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it's a good accountability partner, it's a safe place to do that. And you guys can work together, but it's that, that understanding and that accountability is just so good because no questions off the table and it really forces you to stay on the course and stay anchored. Yeah.
0: I like that. And the last thing that You know, It it kind of all leads to, it it starts with seeking the Lord and uh, spending a whole lot of time with him Uh, real quick uh, before we move off of the whole spending time with God thing. uh, I don't think we'll ever actually move off of that. It really all revolves around that. But I have to find a way to bring a TV show into this somehow. And so uh, my wife and I were watching an episode of New Girl. Uh, the other night. How Lo- many times have you watched that? Uh, not as many as I've watched The Office. Okay. Uh Which doesn't it's, say much. It's, it's one of those shows that, like, once you've seen it, it's a great show to just have on in the background yep. while you're doing other things. So it's on sometimes. I'm not actually watching it intently, but, uh, you know, I'm, like, doing our finances, like, just, like our personal finances, and it's just on in the background. But there was an episode where uh, this this one individual in the show, Winston, had told his girlfriend, like, yeah, you know, maybe we need some space. And the, uh, the other guy was like, listen, do you want to know what that, <clears throat> excuse me, you want to know what that means? It's like, hey, Derek, come here. Like, don't give me any space. And so, you know, the guy comes mm-hmm. and stands literally right next to him. See, like me and Derek are standing this close to each other. It makes it really hard for you and I to do anything. Yep. You know, Derek backs up. Now, now you and I can have all the fun that we want. Yep. And that's... Obviously, not exactly how they worded it on the show, but I didn't want to repeat that part. Done. Um, Yeah. But my point is, when it comes to spending time with the Lord, if you are really, really close to the Lord and you're spending a ton of time with Him, it makes it a little bit harder to go do stupid stuff. Yep. Uh, And and it makes it harder for your mind to get into that mindset of of ego and of inflated importance and, and some of those things. Yeah,
1: so. absolutely. And I think what that ultimately under exemplifies is this humility piece. The antithesis to ego is to be humble. That was a big word. Thank you. I, I, I'm I'm I, I try. You. I try. <laughs> and I feel like there's this understanding of humility that is flawed. I feel like a lot of times when people say, I'm trying to be humble, it means like just berating yourself and cutting yourself short of what yeah. is actually happening And that's not actually true. Humility is just understanding that I'm here and I'm in this spot because God's put me here. I didn't earn this spot. I didn't work my tail off. And because of my talents, because of my vigor, because of my anything, it's why I'm here. It's understanding that God's put me here. In a lot of ways, for me, it's kind of like if you are... I think of almost like inheritance sometimes. Like if you have a rich grandpa or a rich father who passes away early and you grow up as a kid, a multimillionaire, you didn't do anything to earn that, right? Like you, you, were, you were just given that. In a lot of ways, that's what grace is. Yeah. God did all the hard work and he's given us that grace and he's put us in this spot. And so we would be foolish to think that, We're here because of that. And so when I think of humility, to me, it's just, I'm here because God's put me here and things are going really well right now. And praise the Lord, he's used some of my natural talents and stuff, but I'm here because he's put me here. And when that is your perspective, that humble spirit, that is where we look at people like David in the Bible, man after God's own heart, who made a lot of foolish mistakes. Some really, really, really big ones but he always came back to, he was humble and he humbled himself before the Lord all of the time. And so youth pastors, leaders, believers, you don't have to just cut yourself short and just say, I'm the worst person ever. That's not humility. That's, that's, that's a whole different thing, but it's just understanding that God put us here. God's the the gods on the throne. God can do all of it. And we're just here to serve him and honor him with everything.
0: Yeah. When it comes down to it, God's the one that's going to, he put us here. And so he is definitely going to have to sustain us because uh, I don't know about you, but I ain't doing that. No. Uh, he, he, you know, he put me in this position. He's going to sustain me in this position for as long as he wants. Uh, and I'm going to be as faithful to, to his mission and his calling as I can while I'm here. I think that's, that's what it, that's what ministry is. And when we get any of that backwards, uh, when it starts to become about us, the dominoes start to fall. Where you know, one day you wake up, like Derek said, wondering how in the world did I get here? It's not because you made this cataclysmic decision to tear Whoa, it all that's down. That's a big word. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, it's that word of the day: toilet paper <laughs> coming in clutch. Um, it's it's not about one big decision that tore it all down. Yeah. It's about some little decisions you made. And then you lost control of the dominoes
1: after that. Bringing up one more, one more show just to cap off this Please episode. Please do. You're, you're a frequent watcher of Friends. Absolutely.
0: I just saw the, uh, I was on a plane ride a couple of weeks ago and finally saw the reunion show just that now. they had. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, okay. Not everybody can spring for HBO Max all the time. Like, My goodness. Could you pick a more obscure streaming service to be on, Friends? Come on.
1: What that is very true. I just, I hijack off my family's hard-worked money that they just give us the logins for.
0: What was it you just said about grace and having something you didn't earn?
1: (laughs) I wasn't rubbing it in your face. I'm just saying. Um, But no, like even as you're saying that, I think of the episode where they get that cheesecake (laughs) <laughs> like like Chandler and, and yeah, they do. Rachel just like have a little bite and all of a sudden like as the episode goes on they're straight up stealing a brand new one off of that lady's step. Yep. That really is what it boils down to is you think I can make a small compromise here and I go unpunished and then you go for the next bigger compromise and all of a sudden you do wake up and you go what the heck am I mm-hmm. doing? Mm-hmm. You know and there, there is, there is redemption to that. We serve a God who is, you know, able to do all this good stuff. But you know, at the end of the day, if we don't have to go there, definitely prefer to not.
0: I got one more TV show reference. We're just going to keep going. I back love how forth. we just like, we're uh, doing so good. And then now, no, like, but this <laughs> is, it's all, re- if it's all relevant, it's okay. Absolutely. Right? Uh, I've actually used their, a clip from the office multiple times, uh, this same clip many times on Wednesday nights uh to to talk about, to help illustrate some different points but there's uh there's the episode where Dunder Mifflin gets bought by a parent new parent company Saber, Sabre Sabre. Sabre and they the Sabre sends them like some new printers and and some uh, fax machine different things and they just kind of tear into the boxes yeah, and then later on realize there was a letter that came with them that says, you know, wait to open these until Gabe shows mm-hmm. up and he'll walk you through it all. Well, they already opened everything. So now they're trying to shove everything back in the box, but like they basically tore the box in half when they ripped it open and nothing is fitting right back into this box. And yep. it, I think that's the, that's the image I think of when you're something in your life got out of line and something's starting to get exposed yep. and you're trying to piece it back together and it is yep. just <laughs> not working. It's, it is not having it. No. You know, it is so much less messy yeah.
1: to keep things in the order they were supposed to be in the yep. first place. Hold well on. Are we out well of
0: done. uh TV show references?
1: You know, next time we have to come up with a fun episode, I think we just pull out a random scene from a random show and, much similar to our Thanksgiving episode, we have to come up with the sermon illustration based got, upon that clip.
0: I got some really good ideas already <laughs> turning <laughs> right. in my head for that. Now, that's uh, that's brilliant. Maybe we'll have episode
1: fifty two, our our one year celebration, which oh, is which is not that far that'd be away. Good. Yeah,
0: that'd be good coming back up in August. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's gonna be so fun. Are we over six months into this now?
1: Yeah, this is this will be episode thirty one. And wow. so when you think How of fifty two in a year,
0: yeah, uh, that that's good math. Thank from you. you. Yeah, Thank 26 you. Twenty six would try. be halfway. proud of you that's uh that pretty much wraps up today's maybe our show wrapped up about five minutes ago but uh we (laughs) wrapped up five minutes into it after (laughs) we started talking about the hockey tournament (laughs) uh we appreciate you guys uh checking out our podcast giving a listen uh give us a a, you know rate on spotify apple music or apple Podcasts, whatever apple and we need five stars
1: so our ego can be intact Right? Yes,
0: obviously our ego needs to, <laughs> needs to, I haven't checked in a while to see if like we've gotten anything other than five stars. Probably not because we're so good at this, uh, but uh, how not to, if, if any negative feedback, we encourage you to email us at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. All the five star stuff, put it publicly. Absolutely. But any negative stuff just privately to our inbox Please. so that we can, uh, it can quote unquote go to our spam folder Yeah, and we will mysteriously lose it. So uh, that just about does it um, for today. Episode on behalf of Derek and I, I think it's about time that we uh, go ru- brush up on our show trivia for episode 52. Goodbye. Bye.